prologue. I woke three times in the dark pre-dawn. First in sorrow, then in joy, and at the last in solitude. The tears of a bone-deep loss woke me slowly, bathing my face like the comforting touch of a damp cloth and soothing hands. I turned my face to the wet pillow and sailed a salty river into the caverns of grief remembered, into the subterranean depths of sleep. Mmm. Mmm. It's delicious. In case you were wondering, that is the sound of what it's like to listen to an Outlander audiobook and play Pokemon Go at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're uh, we're going to have a different beginning to this one. Um, but first, I should say that I am Allison Shoemaker. And I am Julie Starbird. And that's Janine. Hi. And up? we are here to do... The first of two episodes we're doing for episode 213 of Outlander, Dragonfly in Amber. No. (laughs) But we have a very special beginning to this one because we have our first ever episode sponsor and she is someone I went to college with. Yay! So we are about to talk to the mighty, mighty Beth Locke. Yay! About the beer that she brought us, which we'll also be doing next week because she brought us so much beer that we put the rest of it in the fridge. And that's in that's in spite of the fact that we're going to do another episode after we record this one. <laughs> um, but you all, you should know that. Cheers. We decided just because it's tradition that and the, the first finale. beer we drink should be Miller Lite, a fine Pilsner beer. And a shout out to my friend Andy Fine. You're right. It is a fine at the beginning. It is a fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a couple of like brief things about Beth. I'm really sorry to embarrass you, Beth, but Beth is a, a very generous human. Um, she and I went to theater school together. Neither of us is currently employed to do theater, which should tell you something about getting a theater degree. But she has a very fancy job. Uh, she's a wonderful actress and a great friend and a thoughtful human being who really loves Outlander. And who has told me we shouldn't ask her about Sam Huon because she can't conduct herself like an adult if we talk about him. Um, but she also Neither recently... Neither I, though. I think I've proven that. That's true. That's true. That's recorded in many episodes. Um, but she also just got back from Scotland, from a lengthy trip in Scotland that she went because she... By the way, I realized I never mentioned this. I'm a Mackenzie. I probably... I should have said that at some point. What? Yeah, that's oh. um, my heritage goes back to the ye old Mackenzies. Um, Scandalous. And uh, Beth has not yet seen the finale, so I can't say anything about the Mackenzies nope. right now. But I'm a Mackenzie. Um, but Beth is also Scottish in her heritage and just had like a, I'm going to go back and check out my roots trip. And uh, Julie is going to talk to her about it for just a second. And then next week... She's probably going to be back to do a season wrap-up with us before we talk to a bunch of dudes about the show. So, take it away, Julie. Oh, my God. So, we're doing this thing where I'm reaching across the table to grab headphones. Okay. So, Beth has been extra quiet this whole time and hasn't said anything. I watch a lot of uh, comedy podcasts where they have to wait, so I'm just waiting. (laughs) We don't do that here. Okay. We don't do that. Anyway, here's Beth Locke. She's awesome. Allison gave her a great introduction. So, Beth, why Scotland? Talk to me about why you went, what you saw, impressions. Sure, 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 sure. Um, 
<laughs> that was Allison that was fucking trying to no, catch a fucking Pokemon. She's just the trying to get a Pokemon. Information about fucking Beth's trip trying to, to get a Pokemon. No, I just want to go to my home screen. What is the matter with you? No, Siri, shut up. But Allison, you you have to catch them all. <laughs> I'm done. All right, um, sorry. So yeah. Beth, Scotland, go. Uh, so for a year, I had been uh, saving money every pay period trying to make enough money to go over to Scotland. Um, so little by little, I saved up enough to, to go out for two weeks, or yeah, two weeks. Um, but my mother was a McLean, mm-hmm. and uh, they were from the Western Highlands. And for years and years, she talked about being a McLean, and she was very proud of her heritage, and she loved being Scottish and a barbarian and a Highlander. And um, uh, my sister and I actually, after she passed, we she wanted to see Brave, mm-hmm. but uh, she didn't get to see Brave. Uh, so we were like, "Oh, we'll go see Brave together." <laughs> yeah. And so my oldest sister and I decided to go see Brave, which was the worst idea ever after your mom passes. Oh, man. So we we basically, like, two grown adults ugly cried during all of Brave. <laughs> <laughs> then got into a car, didn't talk to each other for a little bit, and I just went, that was the worst idea ever. I am so sorry. I, I decided we should do that. Um, so the main thing that she wanted to do was to, to go to the Isle of Mull, because that's where the McLean Castle is, mm-hmm. the Dewart Castle. And so I basically decided about two years after she passed that I was going to do that for her. But it took me a while to save the money to actually do that for mm-hmm. her. So, yeah. Where so, all did you go other than the Isle that you wanted to go to? Where where else were you in Scotland? So I started in London, because she was also British, um, and... I love London. Yeah. It's hard to be a, a history fanatic and not want to know all about London or be in the places that you read so much about. Um, you, you want to go to the the Tower of London because it's in almost every book that you ever read mm-hmm. that is uh, British-based. Um, uh, and then I went to Edinburgh, mm-hmm. Glasgow. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Glasgow? Because I was, I went to Edinburgh and had several days there and loved it. And I really didn't have that much time in Glasgow, but it was so different than Edinburgh that I was like, I don't like Glasgow. I had a similar experience, but I also was, I had reached a point where I had eaten myself silly. (laughs) (laughs) I had been drinking pints every night Mm -hmm. and I'm not a normal drinker. So I was getting like the, the haul you brought us today says different. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, since I'm not like a, an everyday drinker, it was really trying. It was wearing me down. So mm-hmm. by the time that I got to Glasgow, it was the second week, mm-hmm. middle of the second week, and I was pooped. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and I missed friends and family. That's when it kind of started kicking in. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, I, I had a really nice host who was great. Mm-hmm. But at that point, Glasgow, because it wasn't as beautiful as, say, London mm-hmm. or Edinburgh, it kind of like, meh. It just, I, I didn't spend a lot of time there, but it just mm-hmm. felt way more like concrete and like, 
Yes. Claustrophobic, maybe, or like city, as opposed to Edinburgh, which you've got the mm-hmm. beautiful castle on the hill and the rolling hills and all the art freaks everywhere. The, oh, it's it's intense uh, hippie land. Oh, and yeah. I loved it because that's um, the the lady who did our ghost tour in Edinburgh was like spot on. Oh, no. She was great. Like, exactly the kind of person you would think that would do a ghost tour in Edinburgh. She was, she was So did you make it to your ancestral castle? I did. I did. My mom used to uh, love this uh, Conan um, skit that he did about going back to Ireland, mm-hmm. where he went to the Cliffs of Moher, where the O'Brien Castle was, mm-hmm. and it was windy as Fuck. Oh, you okay, you can drop okay. F-bombs all you want. It was windy as fuck. Damn. <laughs> and he just yells into the wind, I don't know why my ancestors left here. <laughs> and my mom always like, oh, that's what it'd be like if we went back to her castle. Uh-huh. I know. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, okay, let's see. Let's see if she's right. And we jumped onto the ferry to get there. And it was torrential rain and intense wind. And I, the, the part of me was sad because I wanted to be able to take pictures. But the other part of me was laughing inside. I'm like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Why did my ancestors <laughs> leave here? Well, that's great. Thank you so much. Do you have any parting thoughts before we talk a little bit about Outlander? I mean, obviously, we're not going to spoil the finale for you. And you're coming back. back. Talk about Sam. Oh, yeah. Well, she said she yeah. it made her uncomfortable. I, I can say this. I can say this. Um, and unfortunately, it throws uh, a dear friend of mine kind of under the bus. But um, I'm Fuck sorry. that dear friend. They're not here. You don't have to say she, their name. She doesn't watch, in fact, she doesn't listen just yet. In fact, so. why don't you call that dear friend Bob? Bob. Okay, Bob. So uh, Bob and I have been watching the show together. And uh, the funny thing is the way that I got her to start actually watching with me was um, I had already blown through a couple. And mm-hmm. I finally got to the wedding. Uh, and she came in during the middle of the wedding and I was sitting there and she came in and started like talking and I I was just like (laughs) and then they started like coming together and she's like what's happening I'm like shut up I've been waiting for this the whole time (laughs) (laughs) just a word to Janine really quick Janine just because you've been listening the whole time right Janine is going to watch we're going to talk more about Janine's experiences actually watching Outlander because spoiler alert Janine watched the finale with us mm-hmm. um but uh the wedding which is the like halfway through season one episode mm-hmm. of season one yeah. um is like 80 percent doing it yes. and by that I mean it's actually like 30 percent doing it and like 50 percent foreplay which is how sex should really actually be <laughs> Uh, and then 20% story. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was yeah. the episode so that she Bob finally, walked in yeah, on. So she finally... Um, they got to the 30%. She, uh, we finally, I finally <laughs> snagged her. Mm-hmm. And she, so she started watching the show with me. And so um, we got hooked. And gr- granted, the only reason I started uh, reading them and watching them was because people... Uh, when I told them I was going to Scotland, like you have to, you have to. I'm like, okay. I'm oh, so very, you're relatively <laughs> you're relatively new to all this. Mm-hmm. Now yes. you know Allison's read all the books. Yes. I read none of them and four, don't plan right? on ever four? doing. I'm on four right now. I'm never going to read them. I'm just going to watch the show so that I can be the point counterpoint thing. Yeah, she says that now. Nah, nah, man. Because <laughs> I, because um, no, I do like that because um, I feel like I am getting a lot more because I have read them. Mm-hmm. And some well, of the episodes, Allison I'm knows- like, ooh, if, if, if you haven't 
read them, I feel like you're missing something. Mm -hmm. Allison knows way more about when things are different Mm -hmm. and whether or not like how it affected the producer's choice to change things or the writer's choice of how to change things. To me, I'm just watching a show, you know, so it's, I do miss a certain level. But so what, what are your, so you, you got Bob in, yes. you've been watching okay. it. Bob's in. And then what happened? What's the Sam so, Hewen thing? So the Sam Hewen thing is, um, so Bob also works for Blue Man Group. Mm-hmm. And there is a Blue Man here in Chicago who is Scottish, who is a, a good friend of ours. And we were sitting down with him. He, he was kind of helping me think of some things to do in Glasgow because he lived in Glasgow for a while going to college there and so while Bob was in the bathroom uh blue man mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say his name either blue man <laughs> let it slip that he actually went to college with Sam <gasps> ah! okay so I inside was screaming shitting yourself and I'm like oh oh Oh, that's um, that's really interesting. <laughs> On the outside, I'm mildly interested. Yeah, so I was, I inside, I'm screaming. I'm, I can feel how flush I am. I can, <laughs> I can feel how red and excited I am. But I'm on like, your I'm, face, I'm trying to I'm just like, oh, this is this is just interesting news. This isn't um, shattering my whole existence. Whatever. Right now. I'm the cool girl. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool. I haven't like been obsessively. Like looking at him on Facebook and like, Um, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) So then Bob comes out of the bathroom Mm -hmm. and sits down next to me. And I was like, "Uh, Blue Man has a a very interesting piece of information that you should know about. And he basically let her know that he went (laughs) to school with with him. Mm -hmm. She starts openly sobbing no way just instant crying bob instant does? crying bob's crying right oh, now wow. and now she feels embarrassed and so how she fixes her embarrassment of openly crying in a bar after finding out that blue man went to school with sam was she just yells i'm so sorry he's the only thing i have right now <laughs> So she's openly weeping and yelling. Too real. That Too real. Is oh, the God. And the thing is, in my mind, that was what I was thinking, too. But she actually <laughs> openly did it. So that's God well, bless her. I love that she was not going to watch this with you and then was drawn in and then was so pulled in. We have guys that are watching now because they have to be prepared to do the dude lander thing that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of them bitch and gripe for the first half of the first season. Not just Kevin bitches and gripes. Well, I mean, Kevin, he's a bitch. But (laughs) (laughs) then they get to a certain point in season one where they're like, wait, wait a minute. This show is actually pretty good. And I think it's really interesting because there's this weird taboo or, or kind of like shade on a romance fantasy, but it's so well done that it doesn't matter if people get pulled in. And I love that Bob... Just couldn't stop it. And also, Sam Hewen is, like, preternaturally attractive. Like, there's nothing you could do. He's just fucking smoking hot. Yeah. But the the funny thing is, Blue Man, because he knew him, mm-hmm. uh, was 
kind of wanting to shit on him. And so we were we were trying to no. like we were trying to keep it under wrap especially after crying. We we're trying to just kind of Cry brush all that sing. under the I'm carpet. just stuffing my face full with buffalo shrimp now. Okay. <laughs> but he's just like he's just too he's too pretty. He's just too and I'm like, oh no no, that's not pretty. That is like you, let it out let, let it out I can't I can't, I can't. <laughs> oh God. I'm too the thing is I'm not Catholic but I'm still like dogma Catholic so I can't express my sexuality openly so he's on, he's on fucking sex on a platter oh my god yes, yes. So, okay there you go um, I can be your sex translator yes, no problem you. um so he he had mentioned that he's like oh well he's not that I mean he's not that attractive and so we were trying not to be like crazy. <laughs> you dumb. We were trying not to be crazy, so we we're just kind of like, oh yeah, well, okay, man. fine. I mean, and he's like, and he's not even that great of an actor, and we're like, nah, nah, nah. but I I think he's doing great. He no. does a lot of eye, too much eyes, a little bit too, too much, much eyes. eyes sometimes. But I'm all he's about very them. he's <laughs> very good in the part, and he has certain episodes in which he does amazing work. Mm-hmm. Overall, there's no way he can stand up to like Tobias Menendez. No. like he's very good though. And you know what? There's never another person on the face of the planet that they could have cast in that part no. that was going to work no. that way. No, so he's perfect. He's perfect for also, it. Also, he's great in the finale. Yes, yeah. he's very good in the finale. I feel like whoever he's with really determines what what you get from him because I think he steps up to the level of whoever's. With that him. that's interesting, which is why he's great with Pamplemousse. I was gonna say yeah. because to me it's really interesting that Duncan Lacroix is the one that raises him up so high a lot of the times because scenes with the two of them are so good and Duncan Lacroix hasn't done dick. Have you seen his IMDb page, Beth? I. I love that guy. I know. Because it's just good. I remember enjoying Murtaugh in the book, but I am madly in love with Murtaugh in in the... TV. And it's it's film, him, it's, it's Duncan, because <laughs> Duncan film. is so good, mm-hmm. and and the, his his kind of dedication to the character is unquestionable, and he's just it's he's a living s- it. Slow burn in the first season, towards the end you really get it, and then in the second season you're like, nope, this guy is the best of all humanity. Like, he's so the best. we'll talk more about all of this, especially the painful moves next week with Beth, assuming she can watch the finale between now and then. Um. And we're going to start talking about the way we're going to divide these episodes is we're going to do just like a teeny tiny bit about 1968 in this episode. And then we're going to talk about Culloden and then we're going to do a separate episode. They'll be released at about the same time, maybe a day split where we talk about just 1968. Uh, But we're going to start that shortly. But Beth, thank you. Our first patron. I love it. You gotta keep it going. Amen. We're gonna tell you, I mean, we'll be telling you for the next, don't get me wrong, we drink a lot, but we're gonna be telling you for the next several episodes about the beer that Beth brought us, which should tell you um, how much beer Beth brought us. The beer? She fucking brought the beer. We should talk about the first one right now. The very first one we're gonna drink is the Dragonfly IPA. For obvious fucking reasons. From Upland. Brewing Company. In where? But get used to hearing that she'll be back next week. Bloomington, Indiana, Midwest, USA. So that'll be the first one that she brought us. Thank you, Beth. Thanks Thank for you, taking Beth. the time out. Song of a last that is gone. 
This thing fucking sucks. I told you. Hold on. Julie was shaming me about my inability to open a Dragonfly IPA. And it took her a couple times, too. But now I got one. And now she's going to open one for herself. So, uh, that was Beth. And isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she special? I don't remember the rest of the lyrics to that song. That's a song? Yeah. Isn't she lovely? You know what? I actually have a story about that song. Isn't she? Not right now. (laughs) Just very briefly. A friend of mine in Portland was uh, roommates with the guy who was the son of the obstetrician who who birthed Stevie Wonder's daughter that he wrote that song about. God, that's great. So on his office uh, wall was the gold record that Stevie Wonder sent him of Isn't She Lovely. Oh, that's wonderful. Because the obstetrician said it when she was born. Isn't she lovely? Oh, that's delightful that is delightful mm-hmm. uh i just want to say that while that story is wonderful and it this made me feel really great good. things when i said oh that's great okay. it was actually about upland brewing company's dragonfly ipa thank you beth Locke. thank you beth Locke. also i didn't notice this but on the dragonfly it says just the right amount of bite Oh, and you know what? That's a really good description of this episode. Mm -hmm. So just restating the way that we're going to do this is we're going to talk just very briefly about 1968. Then we're going to talk about all of the Culloden stuff with the timelines and the 818 and the 828 and the 837 and all that shit. We're just going to talk through Culloden. Then we're going to stop. We're both going to pee. Janine's going to pee. And maybe be maybe take a dump. I don't know. Probably. I don't know your life. I don't know. Probably. And yeah, we're gonna bitch. We, I don't know your life. We have a little counter full of guacamole, hummus, some kind of cheese, and some tortilla chips. And then we're gonna come back and we're gonna do episode two, and that's gonna be just 1968. And you have no idea how many things I have to say about those amazing pants that Brianna was wearing. <laughs> Um, so that one will be a little bit longer. And that makes sense to me because transitioning into 1968, this was heavily weighted toward 1968, don't you think? Yes, I do. It opened in 1968. It was very weird and unsettling because it was the beginning of an episode of The Avengers on a black and white television. And it was kind of like, what? What? And Neil was watching with us and he goes, oh. The Avengers. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, we should also say a thing. In addition to Neil watching with, uh, with us, I want to mm. raise my beer to Janine. Mm-hmm. Who? Because we thought it would be hilarious and also cool. And also we l- just really like him. If the first episode of Outlander that Janine ever watched was the season two finale. So you've been listening. So you know that we'll talk about things and something terrible will happen. And, you, and from like microphone, whatever computer table distance away, you'll hear Janine go, <gasps> what? Right. <laughs> and so Janine watched with us yesterday. Mm-hmm. Janine, do you have anything you want to say? Um, this was a hard intro but the most comfortable way to start a show after listening to people talk about it for such a long time (laughs) i think that janine was not prepared for a snack game oh yeah so a thing you should know about julie and i is we don't fuck around with munchies no man if i'm gonna be watching an hour of television in my house i need at least three cheeses we need a spread (laughs) we need a real spread so janine walked in and i had all this popcorn and stuff and then allison showed up and she brought more shit and he was like what and we're like um this is how we do it and then the the salmon dip that was there oh that salmon dip allison brought the salmon dip it was good 
So we, Janine was with us, Neil was with us, Allison and I were there. And Episode I, starts. And I want you to know that Janine gasped in all the appropriate places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had feelings in all the appropriate places. And, and had it was questions. Very smart questions. Lots of questions. It was very joyful. Anyway. So it opens with the Avengers and you're like, oh, well, we're not in Scotland anymore. <laughs> or we are in Scotland, but not the Scotland that we've considered to we're be Scotland. We're still in Scotland. Any when? Any when. We're not in the old when. We're in the new when. And then we pull back out and it's all these kids in this like old fashioned living room watching the Avengers on an old like black and white television and pull back even further. And then you see a member of the Mumford brothers. He really did. Mumford and son. He he looked a little bit like Mumford and or his son. And or his son. (laughs) He was uh, very attractive, uh, probably mid thirties. Give me the name of the actor's name. Bearded. Tell me about Roger. Uh, Richard Rankin. Richard Just, Rankin. He looks good. Very good-looking gentleman. He's cute, but also he's did like, a really nice job. We'll talk about that more next week. He's, you know what? He is handsome, but he is not like Sam Hewen handsome. Yeah, no. I mean, that's a hard row to hoe. Yeah. But he, he's, <laughs> he looks very sad. Uh, he and did we, a great job. We realize that it is a funeral in the house, and they've got all the kids in the dining room watching the Avengers to get them out of the way. So it's a wake. 1968, Scotland, Wake. We don't know where it is yet, but we're about to find out. But we know it in 1968, and there's a stranger. And also, if you watched the previously on, you know they inexplicably showed you a tiny child holding an airplane. So maybe that tiny child's coming back? It took me a minute to figure it out, though, until it had been explicitly laid out that this was... The Reverend's funeral. It was, yeah, Reverend Wakefield, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. R.I.P., uh, remember him? Of the kindness of being very awesome. And then you also learn that Mrs. Graham died previously. And you know what? That means we're probably never going to see Mrs. Graham again. So I think we should give it up for that actress because she was fucking great. Because that scene after Claire came back oh. was one of the best also scenes in the show. Also when she reads her palm in the pilot. Yep. That scene was excellent. Mm-hmm. So really, just a really, really great scene. So the Reverend is dead. So then we realize that this handsome Mumford and or son that we've seen (laughs) is fucking, what's his name, Robert? Roger Wakefield. Roger Wakefield, the little kid that was always like running underfoot with his stupid little airplane when Frank was trying to get it together that his wife had gotten impregnated by another man's seed. In a different century. In a different time. Also, if you remember back, we back in the D, uh, Roger was adopted Mm-hmm. So they, the Reverend and Frank have this beautiful conversation about how a child readily bows to the reality he's given. So essentially saying like, hey, adoption is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically the Reverend's argument. Um, only Frank decides the best way to do it. And this is not a judgment on his thoughts because I am not adopted. Julie's not adopted. I don't know. Well, actually, Julie was adopted. Well, I was sort of adopted, but it was weird. Okay. It uh, was within Aaron, the family. were you adopted? No, no. Okay. So, but I have friends who are adopted and they have feelings about them, about their adoption process that mean a lot. So, like, this is not me prescribing my opinion on adoption in any way. But um, what the Reverend says is that children readily accept the reality they're presented with. And so Roger just was cool with the Reverend being his dad. He right. was, you know, four, five, six, seven, Plus, whatever. the Reverend was... 
awesome. Fucking cool. Yeah, the so Reverend was great. He was just a good dad, a kind man who had books on everything and all sorts of cool places for the kid to go play. And so, like, Roger grew up learning things and becoming a sensitive Mumford and son. Yes. Mumford mm-hmm. or son. Mumford and or son. He, um, we'll talk more about Roger next week, but okay. I just want to say I really love that dude. He did a really great job. So um, it's the wake of Reverend Wakefield. We understand that that's happening when he, he gives the toast and then all of a sudden the camera pans and who do and we I, see? And I want to, well, let's talk about who Julie saw. This is my experience of sitting next to Julie on a couch watching this finale. The camera is focused on a complete stranger and then the, the focus shifts to somebody in the background mm-hmm. and I go <gasps> and then I'm I'm sitting next to Neil and Neil goes <gasps> and Julie doesn't do anything and then like three minutes pass and Julie goes oh my god because it was Claire <laughs> yeah it was Claire and you know what she didn't even really look that different she just had different clothes on I and mean, had like a gray streak in her hair different it was she didn't look that different except she looked very different I think that I reacted to the point where they showed her and then you realized that that was her daughter I think that that's where I freaked out they hadn't shown Brianna it yeah, was yeah, still yeah. her because Claire was sitting in the chair and then she looked over and you saw Roger like look at her and then look this way and you saw this hot ass redhead and then I was like oh that's Claire's daughter Mm -hmm. So I think maybe that was the moment where I had that. But also... I wasn't, I mean, no, who you expects, did not recognize her Who first. expects Claire to be at Revan Wakefield's wake? And to have that sweet blowout. She did have a fucking sweet blowout, <laughs> oh, though. Yeah, with those, gray streaks, those Bonnie Ray gray streaks. Yeah, I've got to talk about that eye makeup later. Later, next episode. Next episode. But for right now, then it's dinner, 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 dinner. But dinner. wait, Roger and Brie look at each other, Brianna look at each other, and you know, okay, fine. Okay, so and that's going to happen. Dilla, 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 mm-hmm. dilla, dilla. dilla. And for the rest of this episode, we're going to talk about Kalai. Diddla. We're going to be in Diddla. We're going to Diddla. So, um, which is lucky because we don't have that much time left, but they honestly don't spend that much time in the past. It's action-packed, but it's less time than oh, they spend in 1968. As a person who read the books, and I'll say this, we'll probably do some episode at some point that's just the two of us talking about things that are different from the books from the show, just because that's uh, there's a whole thing we can talk about. And I won't spend too much time on it. But I, going into this episode, expected... <laughs> That this God, I feel like I shouldn't say it because it's a spoiler. But I'm just gonna assume that anyone that's listening to this episode has recognized that they're gonna get spoiled on the plot. We've done and it every you time. You saw it already. So when Dougal dies, <laughs> spoiler. Mm-hmm. When Dougal dies, I expected that was gonna happen in like the last 20 minutes. Oh, as opposed to like the first 15. Like like almost the first thing that happens. Yep. So we flash back and we're back on Culloden or pre-battle at Culloden. And all the Scottish dudes just look like hammered shit. Nobody's eaten enough. They're cold. They're wet. They're disgusting. And Jamie looks like shit to say about God. Jamie looks like shit. Jamie's like, dude, BPD, we are not ready. And BPD's like, mark me. Cheers. Ooh. Cheers. The only time. Mm-hmm. Mm. The only time. We were ready. Janine was, was very excited that it happened even once. Yeah. He's like, mark me. <laughs> you're my Thomas. You doubt me because you haven't seen anything yet. But blessed are the believers who believe without doubting, believe without seeing. And it's like, uh. And <laughs> Jamie's like, but but I know what happens. <laughs> my interpretation was this. I, I would. 
I would fight this, but I'm pretty sure that I don't have the physical energy because I am starved. I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten anything. So BPD. Also, I haven't been laid in like seven episodes. So like fucking two years, it feels like. So fucking BPD throws that fucking gauntlet down and leaves and we're like, oh crap, we're going to fight. And then Claire comes up to Jamie. Although that is a season wrap on Andrew Gower. Cheers. Cheers to BPD. Mark him. Mark him. You know what? He did a great job. He really did. Mm. So he's out. Jamie's like, hey, Claire, psst, psst. Uh, this is happening. There's nothing I can do to stop it. And yes, I know it's today. Like today is the day he is going to march. And Claire's like, wait, wait, there's one, there's one more thing we can do. Not here. Not here. Not here. Let's go somewhere more private. Not here. So just like a bitch, she takes it somewhere private. (laughs) Just like a bitch. (laughs) We got to whisper about it, right? You know what? I wrote the word bitch and I have no idea what it was about. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. I'm pretty sure it was something else. I'm pretty sure someone said some. Oh, do, it was about doubting Thomas. It was bitch. I ain't no doubting Thomas. It's like I that was know. What I was thinking. So Claire takes Jamie into the house. What is this? It's like some lord's manor or whatever that they've taken it's over. It's a castle of some kind. If I had the book in front of me, I could tell you. So, I really did try to listen to parts of the audiobook again today. But listening, as you've heard, listening to Outlander on audio cassette while trying to play Pokemon Go at the same time, that's a, that's a tough road to hoe. <laughs> uh, so she takes him. <laughs> I have thoughts, but I'm going to let it go. So she takes him into the house, whatever it is, the manor. And you can see all these boxes up against the wall. So it's very clear that the Scottish army, as it is, has taken over this and place. And most of this shit, I have to say, is straight from the book. The, right. the, the way it happens is different. But so yeah. she brings him into this room and she's like, the only way we're going to be able to stop this battle is to kill Prince Charles. And Jamie is like... Uh, and Allison and I were like, uh, just the same thing that Pamplemousse has been telling you. <laughs> yeah. Marta's idea, idiots. That was like, that was so long ago. That was a real, and longer ago than it is for us because of, you know, jumps in time and shit. So what we were saying it like a month and a half ago, Marta was saying it like nine months ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, longer than I, oh God. Longer than nine months. So Claire is finally like, this is all we can do. Um, allow me to show you how I can kill him without him even knowing it. Poisoning. I mean, obviously. Here's this stuff called yellow jasmine. Ting, ting. Which we just saw her use on column. And then she explains to Jamie that she used it on column. And Jamie freaks Gave out for a minute. Colin. Gave it to column. Gave it to column. Well, because he asked for it. To be I fair. Know. Well, totally. But for because because I know we have people listening who haven't seen the show. Hey, Ruth. What's up? What up, Ruth? Um, he doesn't, she doesn't poison Colm. She gives Colm poison well, so he, he can off himself. He asks for it anyway. Yes. So she has to explain that to Jamie because Jamie in his starvitude and dirtitude freaks out for a second. <laughs> and it's like, you killed my uncle. And she's like, wait, wait, hold up. Hold up, bitch. He was going to die no matter what. He begged me. He asked me to help him. Well, so I gave him this thing. Well, Janine. His, his issue was more that he committed suicide. Right. And that was the He's going. And, and that's right. a mortal sin. That's a mortal sin. <laughs> but in the last episode, when she said, you understand that this is a sin, do you remember what his response was? What's another sin to a sinner? Oh, that's So yeah. he didn't give a fuck. He no, was like. He just, gave zero fucks. He was like, kill me, also Billy. Also that guy. Cheers. He was the best. <laughs> kill me, Billy. So. 
she explains to him, this was going to happen no matter what. So I did it. Here's how it works. The person ingests it and it's like they fall asleep and kind of pass away. So I can put it in his tea. And then all of a sudden you get a split screen and you see. Well, there's a little teeny tiny moment before where the guy whose name we've been making up the whole time. Lancashire. <laughs> no, no, no. Pig farmer. No, pig that farmer. comes. Doesn't that come after you see Gil? Rupert's last. It's. Pig farmer, Gilf, Rupert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pig farmer comes through because he gives him orders, right? Ross? No, no, no. Ross. Ross, Scott Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, hey, we got to hey, move. You got to, it's time. You got to do some military shit. And they're like, okay. Okay. And then, Dougal, all right, this is an important moment. To Gilf. To, to Gilf. Gilf. It hurt to watch this. I know. Janine, it's a rough episode for Janine to have watched first, although I will say, giving an introduction to Outlander to a dude and having that episode be an episode that basically starts with maybe the best fight scene in the history of the series. Well, yeah. I have a I have a background in stunts and sword fighting, so like watching that too, I was like, this is so well done. It was just the best. It was such a good so, scene. I mean, it was, it, the thing that really blows my mind about it Julie and Janine is that it was a centerpiece scene for the episode and it was in like minute seven (laughs) and it was so short Mm -hmm. but it was so effective so what happens is Ross comes in says the shit leaves and then Claire and Jamie continue to plot about how to poison Bonnie Prince douchebag they're not gonna do it and then they're like oh maybe not but then you see Dougal is listening in and he hears just enough and we know he's the sunny Corleone we know he's the hothead he believes he really believes And he believes in the BPD, which none of our other favorites believe in the BPD. They all, because they don't know about time travel. Right. Right? So, like, Claire and Jamie and Myrta, I guess Fergus doesn't, but Fergus is what he's very wise. (laughs) You down with BPD? No. No. (laughs) You know me. (laughs) So, you just see little shots of. Gilf listening in, of Dougal listening into them, and he garners enough information to understand that they're talking about poisoning without actually like listening to the entire thing that they're saying, which is a very sunny thing. And he comes in all fucking testosterone out. He is ready. He's like, "You are a traitor." And in grief, it's a. It looks a lot like the scene it, in season one where his wife died. Who his wife, who he didn't love. Because they didn't live together. I mean, maybe he had a fondness for her, right? But they didn't live together. Argue. I mean, they didn't have children together because he doesn't have any heirs. Uh, she lived somewhere else. He lived at Castle Leoc and was in love with Galen Duncan. Mm-hmm. Next we'll episode. <laughs> um, and lost his fucking mind when she died. Like, slapping himself in the face. You remember all that shit, oh, Julie? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, lost his goddamn mind. It was a lot like that, only it was because Jamie had betrayed him. Well, also remember that his brother has just died, mm-hmm. and whether or not he heard, Allison and I talked about this, it's unclear whether or not he heard Claire talking about I the fact- I think he heard all of it. That she had used this to help his brother move on. So he hears that. He hears the fact that they're going to use it on BPD, who he believes in, and he loses his fucking mind. And I should say this. In the book, I I mean, I tried to listen to this, but Pokemon Go was too distracting. So I believe that there is no... Because, no, actually, it's certain. 
In the books, Claire gives Colm a poison and he dies before he can use it. And that's very clear because it happens in like a ball. It's very dramatic. Um, and there's no, like, it, it's before Colm says he doesn't want to join. So that means that Duke will can commit the entire clan Mackenzie to it, which negates the whole scene in the last episode, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I mean, it, it makes all of that shit really complicated, right? It makes it more complicated than this because in this case... Claire allowed Colin to kill himself, right. which is very straightforward, which doesn't happen in the book. She uh, she does, and then he dies anyway. Without, so no right. one knows but her, including Jamie. He doesn't even know. Well, she tells him here, and obviously we talked about that. He freaks out. But really, the freak out belongs to Gilf in this scene because Ugh. he really just fucking... You know what? Truly, the James Conn of this series... He just, it's operatic. He can't contain himself. His grief is too large. He can't hold it in his body, his well-formed, muscular, masculine (laughs) body. And he just releases it the only way he knows how, which is to try to kill fucking Jamie. And it's, Julie, do you think it's the best fight scene in Outlander? I think it's one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen in a television show. Because it is real. It's not staged. It doesn't feel like, oh, I get this much distance. I get this much book. It's very close. It's in this tiny room. There's the sword, but then the sword goes away and then it's a knife. So it's very like intimate. It's a dark. A dark. They're very close to each other. You kind of can't tell where the dark is at times. (laughs) You can't tell who's holding it, which makes it very... More, uh, more stressful. More like yeah, I don't it, know. It transfers I watch, the stress into us very yes, quickly. Right. I watch, so I um right. I watch a lot of yeah. movies and a lot of television for my jobs. Many of them. Hey, I'm gonna be unemployed in like eight weeks. Do you need someone to write about shit for you? Eight weeks. I'm eight ready. months. Eight weeks? Eight months. Eight eight weeks. weeks. God damn it. It's right. fine. Everything's fine. Anyway, um, <laughs> everything's great. So uh, I write about a lot of things. And I will tell you that when you have to watch things for work, you get desensitized to the big shit, right? And the, the two people who are currently sitting at this table with me can tell you that uh, I put both of my arms above my head and one of my feet on the table and halfway stood up and just kept going like, Kelly, who you guys might remember from earlier in the season, watched it on her own and said that she had to watch it through her, watch this fight through her fingers. It's one of the best. I mean, it's, it was just brutal. Maybe the best fight I've ever seen on television. Certainly one of the best fights that I've ever seen in any medium. It was just so real. Well, and I will say too, that the fight was great, but truly the thing that put it, nail in the coffin Claire <laughs> was Claire's alright so let's yeah. talk about this moment which is not in the books and which I loved but so, wait you gotta lead up to it so they have this incredibly intimate uh, knife fight where they keep like biting each other's fingers and, then, and having to cut their hands when they're turning the dirk around it's intense yeah. and then uh, Dougal gets Jamie on the ground and Claire's like oh I have to be involved now. And Claire picks up this box and throws it over Dougal's head to knock him off. And he rolls off of Jamie. And then Jamie gets on top and has the um, 
the power here. And he takes the knife and Dougal's like, uh, uh. And then Jamie turns it around and points it at his fucking heart. But Jamie is so hungry and so tired and maybe so sad that he can't like, I mean, they're very evenly matched. And the thing that's important to remember is that Dougal taught Jamie how to fight, right? right? Like Brian Fraser, who gets less attention in the books other than when he died when he was watching Jamie being whipped, which we again will talk about in the next episode because they went to Fort William. But um, uh, he learned fighting from Dougal. And mm-hmm. so he learned all, like, there's that great scene in season one where they are first playing, I don't know, whatever British sport where they have, like, hockey sticks that aren't hockey sticks. Oh, it was that fucking cricket? They were like, were they doing, like, lawn hockey they or, like, cricket or something? And then they punched each other. They just beat the know. shit out of each other. I have no idea. Anyway, but they learn like, from each other, right? So Jamie learned how to fight from Dougal. It's almost like he killed his dad. Oh, no, it's totally like he killed his dad because he learned how to fight for him. So in addition to, like, emotionally, that's complicated. Practically, they have the exact same skill set. Right. But then Claire gives him the assist and they get it done. Literally helps him carry that weight. She she tips the scale. Right. Mm -hmm. She did tip the scale. I, I feel that I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Dougal was so grief crazed and hungry and just shit, just for shit. That he didn't say some fucking horrible things. He said horrible things. To Katrina. I will say this, to Julie's this, uh, if the show ends up being anything like the books, they grieve duel forever. Yeah, well, I mean, because they know that the circumstances basically put him in a position where he could only do the thing that he did. And so they grieve, they grieve Dougal for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I haven't finished the series yet because it's not done yet. Right. She's still writing. But through the current books, they continue to grieve Dougal. He comes up a lot. So, but, but to Graham McTavish, to Graham McTavish, to the guild, to the guild you know what? Fucking handsome he, old man. He did a great fucking job. He's on Preacher now, which I haven't watched yet, mm-hmm. but he's on Preacher now. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking like, man, I need some guilt, he's on Preacher. Which I hear is also wonderful. Yes, cool. I hear that too. Yeah. Well, he's just a good actor and he's very nice to look at as an older man. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to like expand your palate and like God, think of grandpas, the- I'd like to fuck he's the one well hence Gil <laughs> yeah uh, but one of the best fight scenes in the history of television I, I think. I, it was really good it was so brief and short and brutal it didn't last for forever but it was very <sighs> it felt like it lasted it for a million a, years it was so solid it was just really strong Jane says to, to, st- stunt guy says so <laughs> here's the bag if you want to watch it just watch that fight scene if you don't feel like you're like, I don't want to watch this show, watch that fight scene and it will boil into a like tiny minute for you why this show is so I awesome. I mean, I have to assume that if you're listening, you either are already watching or have decide, decided that you can live vicariously through us. Please don't do that. Don't. You should really watch it. But mm-hmm. if what you really need is to convince your significant other that they should watch, that might not be a good place to start. Yeah. Because it's, it's a, a really great good fight, fight sequence. sequence. I feel like Janine. We, should, we should have like we should, I feel like we should somehow contribute a supercut of all the boning and fighting. 
Well, it would have to be specific boning. Wouldn't it, it would have to be specific boning because the boning that we're going to talk about is not. Oh, fair. Not this boning, for that's sure. That's the worst um, bottle opener. So. This thing sucks. Yeah. So they kill. Shit. Julie is opening a beer. I'm going to keep talking while keep it's happening. Talking. So uh, oh. they kill Dougal. And, and then, then Rupert. 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 He makes the first ever statement about missing an eye that is not a joke in the history of his life. Rupert straight up walks in, sees Jamie over the dead Dougal, sees Claire behind him. Maybe sees the knife sticking out of his chest. He sees It's very clear. He sees all with one eye. He sees all with one eye. Which means that there was a lot to see. (laughs) (laughs) So he walks in and he is... Pissed to the ground, just like what well, I, I didn't even think about this. Dougal was his clansman, Dougal was his leader, Dougal was uh, the chief of his clan, chieftain. Mm-hmm. Well, because Colm died, right? So he was already the war chief, and then Rupert, played by Grant O'Rourke, Grant O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. It's like you killed my chieftain because after Colm died, Dougal was the chieftain, right. And so uh, Rupert has this great scene where he's oh, just like, no, it's so good. I, I hope I never have to you know see what? you again. There's a pretty decent chance that we will never see that actor again. So here's another cheers. Oh, fair. That yeah. guy fucking killed it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to. My greatest, most sorrowful feelings are going to be reserved for the person we may also never see again. We'll talk about later. But I know, and that has nothing to do with with the book because it's complicated. But uh, Rupert, he killed it. So You're talking that, about Pample Moose, right? I, of course. But who are you? In the book, it's a different character who catches him. But regardless, he gets a two-hour window to say, like Jamie in, says to and, him, "Oh, it's wonderful." This is also not in the book. In honor of the the friendship I used to feel for you, which you've now murdered as surely as you've murdered my chieftain, I will Snap give you bitch. two hours, yeah, and then I will fucking kill you. That part, that last part, that's paraphrasing, but it's not that far off. It's it's pretty real. <laughs> it's funny because like I, I remember that moment so vividly because he was so good, and I was mm-hmm. like, he was like, everything was cool, everything, everything we were doing cool. good, yeah. and then this, and now. I, I will fucking kill you. Yeah. You have two hours. I will give you two because hours. Because we used to, a long time ago, we used to be friends, but I haven't thought of you lately <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Veronica Mars. <laughs> so, Rupert leaves, but we know we only have two hours. And that's a season wreck on Rupert. Cheers. Grand work. Uh, so then Jamie's like, I gotta get some shit done. Here's the, here's his agenda. Take care of my business. Take care of my wife. Take care of getting dead. End of list. Yeah. So let's take care of our business, shall we? So uh, we know from 1968, which we'll talk about in the next episode, that he, uh, he signs what the show called a deed of sassin and which the audiobook calls a deed of satin and so i'm just going to call a deed of something which basically says i'm going to date this to a year ago 
For Lollybrock. Yeah. I'm going to say, say, here's where it goes. A year ago, I decided I was going to transfer my property rights to my nephew, Jamie, who's a little bitty pretty one. <laughs> and then... Little bitty pretty one. Thanks, Julie. Mm-hmm. And that way, the property will not be seized because it was before I was a trader. So he gets Claire, and this he particular needs document will come back. In the next episode, he gets Claire and Myrta mm, to sign it, and then he hands it. And, and then, cl- this is important, Claire cries one tiny <laughs> tear. Just one tear. Just one fucking tear, like ghosts, like Demi Moore and ghosts. Claire, just like, boop, <laughs> Beecham, boop. Claire Beecham from <laughs> So, then he sends Fergus and does like a great bit of psychology. I love you like him. my own child. And it's incredibly important that this reaches my sister. I trust no one but you, which is both true and second, a great both. That's I'm oh, whatevs. Which is first true. Second, a great way to get Fergus the fuck away from this battle where everyone's going to die. Mm-hmm. So he says, I trust you to get this to Lally Brock because it's worth more than my life or yours. Which is true because we know from the 1968 half that Lally Brock lasted through generations of Frasers. Mm-hmm. So we will find that out in the next episode, but obviously he made it right. But Fergus is like, no, no, I will not leave, I will leave my, my master. My will not leave my master. I have disrespect for women, but still I will remain with you. But then he's like, I loved you like my son. And just like my son. Yar, like my own son. <laughs> I'll ask you to do this favor for me. You must go to Madame Fraser. And so, <laughs> And boom. he goes. And it's wonderful. And that's a season wrap on Fergus. Fergus. Oh, bye, Fergus. Fergus. And he's wonderful. And off he goes. So the deed is signed. And then Jamie says, hey, I'm going to take Claire to safety. And what I need you to do. Murta. Murta. Is take all the Lallybrock men. Group them up like we're going to fight and then lead them to a place where they can get G-T-F-O. Yeah. So pretend like we're going so that BPD thinks we're going and then hide. Because the battle's already lost, which I think everyone who's listening can agree. Even if even if your only point of reference is us talking about Jamie Fraser, I think that you can understand that he's not a fucking coward. So this mm-hmm. is because that battle is going to be lost no matter what because he's got a wife who's a fucking time traveler. So we know so the battle is going to be lost. So he wants to preserve his land and his tenants and all these things. So he sends them off. So he says, Murta, lead these people away. And Murta says, yeah, sure, I'll lead these people away. And then, Julie, I'm going to hold your hand for a second. I want to come back to die with you. I will come back and fight with you. Because die! Die with you! What well, Fight and die. Because die. they both expect to die. So, Janine, how did you feel about that? You know, it's one of those things where, like, I've been waiting to see Pomplamoose in action for a while now. And that was the best possible way to see him. That's how he is all the time. He's so good. It's how he is all the time. Because it was a smirk. It wasn't like an outright statement of saying, I'm going to die with you. It It wasn't weepy. It was was was... very just like, I'm like, yeah, I, I got this. And then I'll come back. Because... Uh, oh, well, doesn't he say something like, really, like a death uh, near you? Is I'll not- die by your side. And that's not like a worthless death, something like yeah. that? Oh. Yeah. And you oh. can see that Jamie is pissed about it, and then he can see in the pinball moose's eyes that there's, that there's no, no stopping way. it. Yeah. And then, and I actually think this is really smart, and we'll get into this in 1968. 
But because we are seeing this episode through Claire's eyes, Claire's and whatever omniscient narrator is watching Brian mm-hmm. and Roger, um, we don't know what happens after Jamie leaves Claire at Craig Nadoon. Mm-hmm. So we'll find that out next season, I guess. I guess Culloden and what happens to Culloden is our cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. The only things we know about Culloden come from history books. Right. So, um, and that's the last we see of Marta. And I sincerely you know what? hope season he's back. Season two. Season two because God, I think he, was, so he was the MVP of season two. I agree. There were so many great, like, no, no, no. There were if so many great. faith. If you include Faith, maybe it's Katrina. She, I mean, everybody's gotten a good... Maybe they're tied? Can they be tied? Man, I don't know. Well, Faith was the best episode of season two. Well, you know what? We're Next week, we're doing a season two wrap-up. We will have this debate. Okay, okay, we'll have this <laughs> debate. Fine. So, Jamie's like, take them in, hide somewhere. I've got to protect my wife, which means she's got to make good on her promise to touch the stone and get the fuck out before... All this shit happens. So it's her and Jamie, and they go up to Craig Nadoon. Oh, well, and she fights really hard before they even go. She says, I would rather stay here and die with you. And he says, yeah, but remember how you're knocked up? Remember how you're pregnant? And she's like, what? And he's like, you haven't had your courses since blah, blah, blah. And Allison and I are like... Jamie pays attention. Yep. Jamie knows how long it's been since the last time she had a period. Does Jamie have a period tracker? Because that's something that MRAs (laughs) have. No, but you know what? Maybe if you're... No, I have a period tracker. I am female. Yeah, but what if dudes have them to see, when's my bitch going to be a bitch? No. No, really, that's oh not God. what Jamie wants. I'm not wants. sure that's a thing. No, what Jamie, Jamie oh, is that's a totally a thing. I see it being a that's thing. That's totally a I've thing. No, what Jamie that. wants. Jamie is a farmer, so he knows when. I don't know. I'm assuming he knows when like cows are fertile. No, he just yet. he just wants to know if she is he pregnant. He pays attention because he loves her. He wants to know if she's pregnant after they lost their baby. Like yeah. she, he want. He just wants to know. So they they have a conversation about how what sometime in the last three months because she's two months pregnant in the last three months they had sex and we didn't see it uh huh and then uh, she's pregnant and he just drops it on her like hey listen I know you want to die with me I understand that I would also want to die with you but you are carrying my child it's the only thing. Oh, I'm getting a little dusty just talking it's, about it. It's the only thing you have for me. So it's the only you, thing that will live past me. So it is your responsibility to make sure that this child lives. Which and co- you which made a promise comes up to again me in the next episode. And you Not made a, episode. You made a promise episode. to me that when the time came, you, you would go, go through the rocks. And this is the fucking time and that's when we start hearing fucking cannon blasts on the moor so then they get on the horse and they ride the horse let's assume it's donus even though it wasn't all black and incredibly mighty that's a little (laughs) cheers to y'all who read the books so they ride a horse to craig and dune they don't go in the cabin where they have all kinds of sex and the english soldiers find them and claire has to run up the hill to craig to dune that doesn't happen No, this this is way more this is effective. Better. I agree. So they go to Craig Nadoon and they're talking about how much they love each other. And then Jamie delivers maybe the most iconic line in the history of the book. And also the thing that every straight cisgendered woman has ever wanted a man yes. to say to her and this ever is, in all time. I 
I'm paraphrasing, and I'm just going to say that so that it's not that I'm quoting it because it's from memory, but I'm pretty sure it's accurate, (laughs) which is that if he has to endure 200 years of purgatory, he will do it because when he stands up before his creator, he will say, Lord, you gave me a rare woman and I loved her well. The hair on the back of my head and neck. And every other part of me stood up. Yeah, so I'm saying. <laughs> and then, what do they do, Julie? <sighs> they do it. <laughs> An appropriate description. And how do you feel about that? Well, ultimately, I feel good that they did it. I feel like I need to let you know that right now, I'm looking across this table at Julie, who is a person that I love, who I watched this episode with yesterday. We had all kinds of feelings about it. And right now, I'm looking at Julie and behind her incredibly stylish eyeglasses, she is fucking tearing up right now in this moment. It's true. Listen, if you have ever... I can't even... I can't... Oh my god, do we should we take a moment? Should we have some guacamole? We took a moment. Mm-hmm. We had some guacamole. It's delicious. <laughs> Too much cumin though. It, it is a little cumin heavy. But that hummus was good. It was good hummus. So, um, they're on Cragnadoon. And he is trying to convince her to touch the rock and go into the future. And she's really mad about it because obviously they're but MGB. She knows, but she knows that she has to because she's carrying his baby. Right, right, right. Fine, fine. So <sighs> the whole thing that started our guacamole break <laughs> was that they do actually do it. So, here's the thing we couldn't talk about when Beth was still here. Hey, Beth. I know you're listening. Cheers. Um, They do have this episode, finally. And I'm not going to say it's not hot, because it's hot. It's not hot. No, it is, but in a different way. It's real. (sighs) It's like... She's tearing up again. If I knew it was the last time I was going to have sex with my husband... I can't even make a joke about that. That was real, real. <laughs> oh, shit. That's real. Do we need more guacamole? <laughs> nah, man. Seriously, though, I can soldier through. Claire did. Claire did. For 20 years. So, it's like the great love of your life. This could be the last time you ever see him. And then it's this sad, desperate doing it. Because that's all it can be. It's like the knife fight scene. It's exactly like the fight scene that was earlier. That's a great point. It's exactly like it because it's so real. If it was the last time you were going to have sex with the person that you love the most and you were never going to see them again, it would be desperate and it would be short and it would be over. I'm really sorry. I know that no one listens to this podcast and expecting you to be real, but Julie just fucking wrecked my whole life. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, no, I believe you. Oh, honey, 
I believe you. I, I got a dude that I love, and I there's no way possible for he for me to love him as much as you love Neil because we've not known each other as long, so that's not possible. But like, well, I mean. Here's the thing is that you, if you're watching this episode, you get to see all the stuff in the future interspersed with this. So you understand, and I'm not going to give too much away, but you understand that Claire has tried to move on. They've all seen it. You say what you want. Right. She's tried to move on and she said goodbye and all these things that have happened. But in the moment when it happened to her, when she was actually there... She had no idea what was going to happen to her. She had no idea what would happen to this man. And it is the most raw and terrifying thing. I will, let me make one addendum to what you're saying. I think that she knew exactly what would happen to this man. Which well, is that I she, think she knew he would die. She thought he would die. So it would be the last time you would ever see this person again. And not just because she was going through the stones, but because he was leaving her to die. Right. So that's what that's where her headspace is. So obviously And I'll say this, there's Julie sent this to me. There's a great article up on the Ringer, which is the new Bill Simmons website about mm-hmm. Outlanders or Romance that's just really excellent. It's a horrible title, but it's a great article. Just ignore the title and then read it. Um anyway, it's um as a woman who doesn't necessarily like do a lot of feminine performance things, like I don't do that. I, uh, she does love perfume. Though. I do love perfume, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love my husband a lot. And so when I think about these things, obviously I'm thinking about my husband and it was rough. And then in the background, we hear the cats. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's the, the other thing. And the buzzing of Cregnadoon. There's no stopping it. Like, she's up there. He's up there. You hear the cannons. She can hear the buzzing. Obviously, he can't because he's a dummy. And then <laughs> he forces her. Like, he... It, not forcing, but It's they, not for... It's like they're dancing. They have their sad, beautiful... Sad, beautiful doing it. And then he stands up and, like, takes her hand and makes her touch the stone so she goes They, like, back dance the backwards, and it's while they're well, hearing cannon blasts. And she keeps saying, can't you hear the buzzing? Come with me. Can't you hear the buzzing? And he can't hear the buzzing, which matters more for what we'll talk about in the next episode. But um, then, then he just makes her touch the stone, and then she goes back. And I'm just not even going to fucking call it a dick rock right now. No. It's too it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. All right. So that's the past. So that's the end of that episode. <laughs> the sound you just heard was the sound of Julie's nose. All right. So what's the scale on? Uh, should part? we save the scale for later? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should just do it now. No, you know what? That's true because we shouldn't do costumes separately because mm. the 60s costumes are yeah. off the fucking They're charts. They're too good. All right. So... All right, real short and sweet. Uh, where would you put this, the past half, on the doing it scale? History of violence. Oh, I love that movie. Because and by that I mean I hate that movie. But the the depiction of actual married yeah. people doing it is yeah important. It's great. It's great because like people have been saying, do it. 
do it, do it, do it, do it the whole season because there wasn't enough to. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I wish there was more doing. I it. wish there was more doing but it in Paris, this time but I understand why there wasn't. And this was exactly what it needed to be, but it doesn't do the things that doing it on Outlander usually does. Right. And that's fine because that's what it should have been. I mean, it was very moving. I thought it was very moving. It was very moving, but it was not. Janine? It was It was moving. Yeah. I, I don't have context, but it was a very moving moment. It wasn't. It wasn't trying to excite you. It was just trying to tell the story. Yeah. It was It was great. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next one will be costumes. So on the costume scale from, let's say... And this is just the past, right? Just the past. Just Culloden. We'll say uh, train spot... I'm trying to think of just Scottish things. Train spotting to um, four weddings and a funeral. I know you hate Andy McDowell, which makes this an unfair question. She's the worst. Except in Magic Mike and Groundhog Day. Well, then you have to accept both those as well. So, well, but uh, I guess Four Nights and Funeral is not great costuming. Uh, you know what? Magic Mike is great costuming. Okay. So, this is on a scale from Train Spotting to Magic Mike XXL, which was one of my favorite movies of 2015. I can't even, I can't even go that far. Once again, if we're just taking the Culloden times, just Scotland. It's all, it's all deprivation costumes except for BPD, and he's only there for one minute. Like, everybody is wet and starving So does that mean it's horrible. like, brother, can you spare a dime? I think maybe it's a little bit more like... Julie, I can hear you getting your chair with your hand. Grapes of breath. <laughs> I'm going grapes of breath. I'm going straight Peter Fonda. That's good. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. So... On a scale of how, oh God. And here's where I say cheers to all the people who told me there wasn't enough alcohol in in the world to watch this finale. Mm. Uh, on Twitter and on Facebook and all the other places. Interesting though, because we're splitting it in half, right? I know, but it's true for both. But especially for this I would half. never leave the couch. So you would need to have all the alcohol with you. Yeah. And you oh, want to yeah. have a lot of alcohol with you, right? Everybody, may I recommend to you the magnum of Robert Woodbridge Cabernet Sauvignon. That's basically two bottles of red wine, and then you have it in one bottle. Just saying. Although I should say that what we drank was a growler of Smiley Brothers Purple Line Hefeweizen. Which was very good. And a howler, which is a half growler and not an owl letter that you send to someone you want to punish <laughs> it's a half growler of the smiley brothers ipa plus to start us off with tall boys of oh yeah oh we did a have fine pilsner we beer. did have a fine pilsner yeah <laughs> i mean it's a fucking it's a tradition by now yeah. we can't we can't stop that so uh, with the thing is you don't ever leave it all you will not i'm not sure i would have been capable of standing I'm not sure I would have been, like, we, here, I will say this. I told Julie to pause it on at least two occasions. But on neither of those occasions did, I did leave we go the to the couch. bathroom? No, we didn't even leave the room. No, it was just that we needed to catch our breath. That's true. And we'll be saying that again in the next episode. So, uh, we're going to release these a day apart. So, the next episode will be available tomorrow if you're listening on the day it was released. Um... And if you were listening after, then wait, that's amazing. The next one's <laughs> ready for you right now. 
But time travel. Time travel. <laughs> Touch a dick rock. The next episode is just all going to be about 1968, and I'm going to guess that just like an inappropriate amount is going to be spent on Brianna's velvet pants. They were really good. So. We'll be back for us in like three minutes. For you, whenever you download the next episode, I'm Allison. I'm Julie. And that's Janine. Hey. And this is Puntlander Drunkcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you had as many feelings as we did. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs>